Welcome to MSP Voice, the weekly show for MSPs by MSPs. Brought to you by Cloudberry, the number one cross-platform cloud backup. Learn more at cloudberrylab.com. This is MSP Voice. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of MSP Voice. Um, last episode, I will be able to count on my fingers. Um, I promise not to use my toes, don't worry. Uh, but anyway, we've got a great episode for you today. Uh, first up, I'm going to go through our best of Reddit for the week. Uh, I've got three good um, you know, Reddit entries and then another one that, that's not Reddit, but I think it's uh, of, of interest to a lot of folks anyway, especially anyone who's in the IT field. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so first up on the MSP subreddit, we have someone talking about toxic customers. Um, essentially you know a customer who just isn't very nice um now you know if you follow the thread this, this customer actually has multiple owners so it's not like there's one person responsible there's multiple people um a lot of the issues come from these co-owners um and you know the, the poster doesn't necessarily want to fire them just wants some advice on on how to deal with unreal unrealistic expectations the inconsistency and some of the toxic people um you know who just never give you a break and, and and are just in general just not fun um so you know obviously <laughs> um the, the first and the one with the the most upvotes is fire the customer um and that seems to be kind of the thread you know the, the general feeling for for most folks is you know you've, you've got to walk away it's going to be painful you're going to lose money but in the long run you're going to save yourself a, a lot of frustration so to speak and, and a lot of stress um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's the, the, the first aspect of it. And, and, you know, a lot of the people who are replying, you know, kind of give some really, really good advice in terms of how to fire. Um, maybe it's updating your master service agreement. Um, although that can be hard doing to do in the middle of a term, um, you know, how to, how, you know, can you charge more for certain incidents, you know, but if they're already on a, on a plan, then, you know, and the only thing you can bill for is after hours, that makes it more difficult. Um, so there's you know a lot of complexities involved, and especially um, you know some people point out when you have terms in your MSA um, and, and and it's kind of a fixed pricing, it can be difficult in dealing with some of these things, um, especially you know if you're if you're in into the contract and those types of things. Um, you know this poster here says cash strap for a year is going to be a lot better in the long term. Um, we went through this a few years back and started uh, firing our adverse customers. And while the money may have gone down, more importantly, our employee morale and productivity went up because we were no longer dealing with stressful customers. Um, you know, that's some good advice. And, you know, there's a lot of folks on, on Reddit, you know, I've seen it, you know, that, that talk about firing problem customers. Um, it, it takes a hit financially, but, you know, again, it does make life a little bit easier. Um, and, you know, kind of if you if you go through the entire thread, you can see the original poster um, has, has been very active in, in replying, um, you know, giving giving some some advice and those types of things. So, um, you know, you always want to, you know, kind of read through the threads, um, read all the comments, because there's a lot of really great, useful information in here, especially if you are dealing with a toxic customer. Great advice in here. Um, next up is we have some career advice. Um, I always love these topics because, um, you know, there, there's a lot of great folks on Reddit who have been in this in the MSP business for years. Um, they have a lot of great advice to give someone new. Uh, so this poster is a new MSP employee. So they're just starting out as an employee at an MSP. Um, so, 
you know, they're, they're excited. It's the first job they've ever had where they're, they're actually getting salary um, and, you know, want to kind of understand what are some tips and tricks and, and those types of things. Now, as Reddit is Reddit, of course, the first, the, the one with the most upvotes is get out whilst you still can. Uh, tongue in cheek, obviously. Um, it's, you know, but if you're not ready for this industry and you're not ready for this business, um, then, you know, it can definitely wear you down very quickly. Um, but the guy who said, get out while you can, he kind of came back and said, yeah, you know, he's just bitter with his current employment. Um, MSP life is, is hard with little to no recognition for your hard work or engineering. Um, the job itself is fantastic for, for learning. Ask if there's a training budget and use the heck out of that. Um, and those that's the best of the MSP jobs and in his opinion or her opinion. So, you know, and, and then the, the original poster goes on to say that they are paying for um, MCSA and other certifications. There's a lot of training. Um, this person's very happy with the training that, that, that's involved. Um, it appears that there's there's some mentoring going on as well. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people who are in this MSP where they're working have been there for two plus years. Um, so, so that's definitely a, a good sign. But, you know, from a career perspective, you know, going to work for an MSP, um, you're going to learn a lot. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of trial by fire, drinking from a fire hose, so to speak, because, you know, unless you're a specialist in one given area like networking or, or something like that, um, if you're kind of a generalist and, you know, you have to help customers out with any of their IT needs, you need to know a lot. So you need to train a lot. And, you know, I think that's one of the great things is you get to learn a lot about a lot of different things, um, being a, being in it an MSP yourself or, or joining an MSP um, and getting that wide range of experiences. And, you know, as you go through and as some of the people have talked about, you know, stick it out for a couple of years um, and then, you know, maybe you'll decide, hey, you love it and you, you know, you move further or you've, you've, you've kind of, maybe you don't love it as much as you thought you would, but guess what? Now you have all this experience under your belt. Maybe you can go find a, a job where maybe you want to specialize in something or do something like that. So, a lot of great advice here. Um, it's not just the, you know, get out while you can. Um, you know, definitely learn, learn, learn um, is, is the major thing um, to do when you're starting out in a new job. The next post um, is also a little bit interesting. Um, <clears throat> and this kind of goes back to how do you get new business? Um, and this poster is asking about door-to-door -door sales, any advice or tactics. Um, so th this poster pretty much, I think, has realized that they want to do door-to-door -door sales. Um, there, there's some there's some bullet points here in terms of of what the thoughts are about how to do this. Um, you know, in, in terms of, of of getting new business. Uh, now, you know, going back to Reddit is Reddit. Um, you know, there's there, there's the one with the up, most upvotes because there's a lot of people saying don't do it. Door-to-door -door sales is no good. Blah blah blah. But the one with the most upvotes here is honest advice. Ignore the naysayer. Sales is an outbound game. Marketing is inbound. Uh, so for sales to be effective, you need to catch them off guard and disrupt their day. Um, your primary objective is one, finding out who the point of contact is. Don't go pitching to the receptionist. And two, getting contact information and a warm handoff to the point of contact. So that's that's some great advice. Um, you know, as you think about, you know, if you're out there supporting small businesses and those types of things, um, if they don't know you, they don't know you. <laughs> um, and you can advertise all you want, but if you're not getting the right eyeballs on it, you know, then it, you know, what, what good is that necessarily? Um, you know, this idea of going door to door, um, you know, it takes some effort. 
Um, it, de it definitely does. And it can be daunting, if, especially if you're not great at meeting new people, you're not a people person. Um, but, you know, if you're in sales, and, and that's essentially what this is, then you probably should be a kind of a people person and be able to strike up conversations. Um, so later, you know, some of the other people talk about, you know, bring something with you to, to leave. Um, now, one person talks about donuts, um, you know, others talk about pastries and those types of things, um, especially if you're trying to warm up kind of uh, what we call the gatekeeper. Um, you know, might be a receptionist or an office manager. Um, that person may or may not be involved in, in the decision, um, but you want to warm that person up. The per first person you see when you go in, bring them, you know, a treat, a tasty treat. Um, you know, hopefully you don't break the bank and, and you know, have to buy uh, 30 dozen donuts um, every day to, on your door-to-door -door walk. Um, but, you know, there, there's some people that, that have some really good advice about how to how to kind of warm that person up. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to kind of go in, don't be too pushy. Um, and then, you know, within a week or two, follow back up and come back in and say, hey, how did you like those pastries? I just wanted to check back in with you. Um, you know, those, those types of things. So there are plenty of people here who are giving good advice on how to do door-to-door um, you know, that, that say it works. Um, it's, you know, some say it's, it's better than direct mail and, and, and those types of things. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt because there's plenty of other folks that are say it's a waste of time. Don't do it. Um, you know, don't knock on doors and those types of things. So that's some quick sales advice from the Reddit community. Now, next up is something that is not in the MSP subreddit, uh, but I think it is just a cool thing that, um, one of our partners, Backblaze, does on a quarterly basis. Um, you may or may not have seen this before, um, but Backblaze, every quarter, they release hard drive stats. Now, why is that important? Well, what does Backblaze do? They provide cloud storage. So guess what? They have a ton of hard drives. And what they do is they inventory each one as they put it in. They've got the serial number, the model number, the make, you know, all those types of things. Um, and then they watch it and, and as well as not, you know, if it fails, it fails, obviously, but they also keep track of its um, of, of the data coming out of the smart system um, so that they can compile all of this data um, to provide with really good stats for hard drives. Now, a lot of the hard drives that they use, um, you know, they, um, they're multiple different manufacturers, so it's not all just one. So it's a good snapshot of, of different manufacturers and how they perform and those types of things. Um, and then one of the things they do is they, they have this kind of annualized failure rate. Uh, so in, 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 in there's a, a simple table that kind of lists the manufacturer, the model, the drive size, the drive count, how many drives they have, drive days. So that's how many days across all the drives that they've been in service, how many failures that they've had. Um, and then they use that to, to kind of come up with this annualized failure rate. Um, obviously, the higher the number, the worse <laughs> um, it is. But, you know, as you go through the data, you can kind of see, you know, where things are going. Um, another interesting thing, um, you know, and then they have notes and observations. They, they, this blog post gives a lot of really good detail in terms of, of, of how, they, how they go through it. Um, one of the things they talk about is hard drive migrations and, and those types of things. Um, so they only added like 138 more drives this quarter than, than, than in Q1, but they increased their capacity um, but by, by, 40, by 40 petabytes. So what they did is they were actually going through and they were really replacing a lot of the four terabyte drives um, with, some, uh, with some 10 terabyte drives. So, um, so you know, that, that's why they, they increased their capacity without adding a, a ton more drives. 
Um, also, and I saw another article linked to this, is the Toshiba 14 terabyte drives. Um, so they've only been in service for a couple of weeks um, and they only have um, 20 of them and their threshold for releasing stats is they have to have 45, that's historical. Um, but you know, these new 14 terabyte um, Toshiba drives are filled with helium, they, they, you know, the nine platters, all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how these operate in their in their Q3 report um, over the next several months, and then of course at the end of the year, because uh, these are big, massive drives, um, you know, and a lot of people are very interested to see how they're going to perform. So that's kind of the, the Q2 report. Um, in the show notes, I've also linked to all of the reports that they have through the years, so um, you can actually go through and and see um, starting from Q4 of 20. 13 um, all the way all the way up through um, one of the other things I forgot to mention um, in the original blog post uh, is that they do have a comparison between consumer grade and enterprise grade drives um, and you know that's important because you know especially as an MSP you know you may not be able to afford or your customers can't don't want to pay for enterprise grade hard drives and things like that um, so they, they give this good comparison between consumer grade which are cheaper um, and enterprise grade which are more expensive um, now, you know, they also talk about the fact that enterprise has a longer warranty, has more features, um, faster reads and writes, whereas the consumer sometimes are half as much as the enterprise grade drives. Um, they have a similar annualized failure rate as enterprise drives, and they use less power. Um, so it's some interesting statistics. They've been doing this now for a while on their consumer versus enterprise. Uh, so, so definitely keep an eye out on that. So. With that, um, we will now take you to our interview for episode 10. Uh, today we have James Vickery from Benchmark 365. So James and I have a, have a great discussion um, and we actually talk quite a bit in terms of pricing and, and pricing models for MSPs. So enjoy the interview and we'll see you next week. Oh, and welcome, James Vickery. Did I get that right? You got it right. Okay, good. Um, so today we've got James. Um, he's with Benchmark 365, um, also owns and operates his own MSP in, in Sydney, Australia. Uh, today he's coming to us from Toronto um, in, in a co-work space. So that's why he's a, he's a little bit dark. He doesn't control the lighting. Very, but, very, uh, space. very dark, very dark in here today. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that was just a quick introduction for me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Benchmark 365. We provide a private label help desk service for managed service providers all around the world. Uh, and how that came about is I also um, started an MSP when I was um, about 23 years of age in Sydney, Australia, and basically built that, that company up. Um, still continues to go strong today and um, largely serviced by our, by our core group who are based in the Philippines. Okay, so you started it at 23, so I'm guessing you didn't have much of an IT career uh, before you started an MSP? No, I think I, like a lot of MSPs, I was just an enthusiast. You know, I used to rip computers apart when I was a kid and mm -hmm. um, just kind of fell into doing like hourly rate, break fix type services for companies um, when I was, you know, when I was starting out. And then that just kind of formalized over time, you know, started getting into, into the managed services model, started getting into cloud. Um, it's kind of kind of just evolved multiple times since um, since I began. Okay, wow, that's that that's great. Um, did you go to university at all, or did you just kind of just jump right into it? 
I'm uh, little little known to most people, but no, I actually didn't go to, go to university <laughs> at all. I was, I was a bit of a flunk out, and um, I basically just uh, I, I I started my career doing lots of odd jobs, um, mm-hmm. you know, here and there, and then eventually found myself running a running a tech company, which was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, hey, no, that you know, there's a, there's a lot of great stories out there like that. So, and I don't know, yeah. I've had a discussion with some other folks about, you know, is you know, what kind of education do you need to get into to manage services and you know the benefits of college, and it's really different for <clears throat> for everybody. So there, there's no one right answer on that. Um, and I think um, it's a double-edged sword too. The the barrier to entry is very low, um, which is great mm-hmm. if you're looking to start out. It's not so great if you're a very established established player and um, have higher cost structure than, than than a lot of other MSP, a lot of new starting MSPs. Yeah, and and you know part of it, part of you know managed services is is about you know cust- customer interaction, right? Um, customer service, so to speak. So you know you have to be good with with people. Um, first and foremost, and that's not something that's easily taught. <laughs> no, no, 100% agree. So I know one of the things we wanted to talk about a little bit today was was pricing and how managed service providers price their their services. And you know, there, I know there's there's a bunch of different models out there, um, and I know you you have some opinions on it. Um, you know, there, there's like per user, um, you know, per month. There's there's kind of a flat fee and and you know some different things. So what do you feel yeah. is is like an optimal pricing model for for managed services? Yeah, this is um, always such a controversial thing, isn't it? Um, it's probably <laughs> the number one thing, the number one thing that pops up on you know Reddit. I know we just talked before the show about the the MSP thread on Reddit. Um, it's 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 controversial in that um, everybody seems to have an opinion, but um, not not every opinion is right <laughs> about this topic. <laughs> Um, yeah. And not to oversimplify it, but I'd say the best pricing model is the one that's profitable, the one that's that's profitable and sustainable for your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds over, overly simplified, but but what we're seeing at the moment is a very aggressive push towards one size fits all pricing. So fixed fee pricing seems to be the um, the thing that's obviously simple. It seems feels easier to sell. Like it feels mm-hmm. simpler to just say, okay, hey, we're fifty bucks a seat. Um, and go out and sell that, but it's the metrics underneath that rate that concerns me. So okay. just asking someone how much do you charge per seat is not the right way to go about your pricing. You need to understand your unique environment, your unique cost structure, your client um, usage of your service, things like that are very important if you're going to adopt a fixed fee model. Yeah, I, I'm also I'm sure it also varies depending on what services you provide for that fixed fee. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, do you provide? Is it security, backup? You know, break. You know, yep. break. I mean, all the all the different things that are included because you know not everyone may include all those services in that in that flat fee. That's correct. Yeah. And one of the mistakes we made as an as an MSP is that um, we kept throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, into the deal. Um, <laughs> and it it kind of evolved over time. So let's say you have a bad a bad moment with a client. You know, maybe there was an outage. Maybe there was something that didn't go as well as it should. And so all of a sudden, instead of selling them, upselling them to another product, you start throwing in a few little extras, like maybe you throw backup in, maybe you throw antivirus in, and one day you come back and you look at your margins and it's really not that not that stellar. Um, so it's, it's important to know, again, going back to my earlier point, it's really important to know what you're throwing in and how much that costs and then how much labour this client is going to use of yours every month so that you can mm-hmm. keep a service profitable. That's, that's the most important thing. 
No, but, but what about setting pricing to maximize profit? I mean, is there is there a good formula? Is 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 there you know kind of a, a way to to do that optimally? Yeah, um, yeah. So there's a couple of ways to look at it. Um, we take two different approaches within our MSP, and something we teach our partners at Benchmark is that you don't necessarily have to go all in fixed fee. Um, not every client wants it. Not every mm -hmm. client understands it, and sometimes the balance of infrastructure doesn't really warrant it at all, um, particularly if they're a purist cloud um, company that doesn't have any major line of business applications, they might be more appreciative of a model that's flexible. So um, including some sort of managed services, so some sort of monitoring, some sort of AV, some sort of backup solution would be fantastic. Um, but then maybe capping your hours at a certain amount per month, like okay. five or 10 or 20 hours per month. That way you're saying to the client, look, if your usage is is high, we can sit down and we can talk about it. But if you, your usage is kind of within these ranges, then you know exactly what you're going to be spending um, with us each month. And we've we found that that hybrid approach has done really well. In fact, we've sold a lot, a lot more of that than we've sold of MSP over the last few years. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So I know we've talked we've talked about a couple of services you know that the MSPs can offer. What are some of the most profitable? Um, in, in your mind, where, where, where do you see the best returns in terms of, you know, your cost versus, you know, what the client pays and, you know, where that margin's at? Yeah. Um, yeah. What a good question. For us, <laughs> for us, and I don't know if this is the populist answer, but for us, it's labor. Um, the margin, the margin on labor is substantially higher than, say, the margin on, you know, selling an Office 365 license, mm -hmm. um, like at the heart of an MSP or, an IT service provider or a break fix provider or what, whatever you identify with, it's it's there's a labour cost. So there are human beings that need to go and do 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 stuff every day, and then there's a profit margin on that labour cost. So like how much per seat or how much per hour you end up charging your client. So for us, it's labour, but the add-on type services are also very profitable as well. Once you've built client trust, so you know things like your, you know the products that you have out there, I, I would think carry a very attractive margin and are hopefully um, sold in such a way that the client just doesn't think about it. They just pay that bill every month and you make a great margin on it. Okay, good. Um, and so then, you know, from a software perspective, you know, I, I know you were talking about labor being being profitable, but if you want to get your software margins up a little bit better, um, you know, is it okay to negotiate with vendors um, to, to try to drive their price down to, to increase your profit? Um, I, I probably, you know, that's self-serving. I work for a software vendor, but, um, you know, I, yeah. I guess it's, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, do people always consider that, you know, in terms of a way to increase your margin? Yeah, look, I think uh, everybody loves a great deal, right? I think it's a, it's a sport. <laughs> It's, it's definitely a sport of MSPs to negotiate with vendors. So I definitely think that you should try to get the sharpest deal that you can with your client. Look, it's it's not just about your own interests. It's about your, having your client's interests at heart all the time. Mm -hmm. I think that's that if I could convey anything during this webinar today, it's that when you are negotiating, you're not just negotiating for the sake of it. You're negotiating because you're putting together a stack for your clients and you're looking for the most economical way to, to get these um, products into the client environment so that your customer says, great, this is an all-encompassing service, gives us everything that we need, and there's no surprises, there's no cost shock or sticker shock later on down the, ro down the road. But yeah, absolutely, okay. I think you should negotiate with, with all your suppliers, 100%. <laughs> now, um, I noticed what, you know, one of the, one of the things, because I've looked at other 
I don't want to say master MSP. Um, I don't know if that's where you put Benchmark 365 in, but where yes. um, you know all the MSPs sign up, but then everyone standardizes on the same software. Um, so that way, you know, from the knock all the way down, everyone's yep. using the same tools. Yep. Now, I noticed from your website that you don't require that. You're, mm -hmm. You say use whatever tools you're used to using. You know, that doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So, yeah. In, is that a, you know, obviously it's, it's it, it, it seems like it would it would raise your cost a little bit more because now you need to make sure that everyone is trained in all these different tools versus just kind of standardizing on a tool set for all of your partners. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, good. Good that you um, looked that up. That that is really a, a true point of difference for benchmark. That we don't want to dictate to MSPs how to run their business. Um, we work together as a community, and our sole objective is to make sure that managed service providers are as profitable as humanly possible. Um, and in fact, some of our MSPs, I would state that they're the most profitable in the industry um, from working okay. with. Benchmark. Um, why we don't dictate is that you know some of these MSPs come to us with some brilliant, um, some brilliant product stacks, like some mm -hmm. brilliant approaches, and we say to them, "That's great. That's actually um, better than what we might have recommended to you." And now we're just here to underpin the labour and make sure that you can continue to go out and serve your customers and grow your business. Um, okay. That's that's a key a key difference. Um, but where you say that it gets complicated, um, we found that really there's the market isn't, the number of products available isn't that vast. Like the average okay. MS falls into a particular category of using perhaps your range of products, perhaps running ConnectWise, perhaps running Autotask. We're not seeing like 50,000 different options for MSPs <laughs> out there. So it's not as unmanageable as you might you might think it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, any Anything else on, any tips, tricks on pricing that you, that you want to give? Or yeah. Okay. Um, what about a sales? What about a sales trick for pricing that I'll share with the audience? Um, okay. So you've got two two um, offers that are that or two approaches that we've just discussed. One is fully managed, um, and the other one is this hybrid approach, which we would call an on-demand on-demand service. It's on-demand because we're just as available, but we cap the number of hours, we cap the amount of labour that we work with a client. So if you were to ask a client where where would they like to go? They obviously want to go with the most economical option, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's no one's volunteering to pay more. What they're volunteering yeah. for is the lowest, the lowest price point for the highest quality that they can get from you. So we often will explain to clients, look, these are our these are our price points. Um, but why don't we talk a little bit about how much you're likely to use our service? And we have found consistently the companies with very low infrastructure. So minimum number of servers, minimum number of line of business applications, minimum number of everything tend to be tend to sit around 30 minutes per user per month of support. That's okay. that's a reality. They tend to sit around the 30 minute mark. Companies that have uh, pain in the butt users with, with <laughs> lots of servers, lots of line of business applications, lots of complexity, multiple offices, multiple mm -hmm. networks, and so on, tend to sit more at the hour and a half per user, 90 minutes per okay. user. Now I'm averaging. I'm averaging, so don't yeah. you know, like yeah. don't hold it a minute. But um, but by explaining that dimension to your client, you can then come up with a price point um, with them. So what do you think the client will say? They say, oh, we're on the 30 minute, we're on the 30 minute end of things, right? We're not on the 90 minute end of things. You say, great. So if you look at our hybrid approach, or you look at our fixed fee approach, that will bring you to a dollar amount of X based on an hourly rate. So an hourly rate might be um, market rates sit between sort of 120 to 180, you need to decide based on your mm -hmm. region where you are. 
But if you're about 180 is your desired effective hourly rate, then your per user rate is probably about 90 bucks, right? Okay. If that's where that client needs to pay. Now, if that client isn't willing to kind of meet somewhere around that point, they might not be a fit for your business because when you go forward, they might not be profitable for you if you've entered okay. in at a fixed fee. Right, but that's what we use as a general formula is what's the average usage gonna be? And then we look at, well, how many products are we gonna throw in with the kitchen sink into this deal? So at the lower end, we can't throw much in. We can't throw in backup like BDR for a few terabytes if they're paying a really low monthly monthly fee for us. So they become add-ons. But if they're paying a very high monthly fee, then those, some of those add-ons we will throw in to sweeten the deal. Okay, that, make, that makes sense, so. And as you said, your your highest profit margins on labor. So, um, yeah, you know, if you get when you get those those higher those higher higher price points, then you know that's that's more where the labor comes in. So throwing in some software, some additional services, um, yep. doesn't hurt your profit too bad. Yeah, we've we've we try to look at well, what is the pain point for the customer, and what are they buying currently? So let's say we went and spoke with a ten years of firm, and we found out that. Um, they've got Office 365, so they're paying for that directly. They've got mm -hmm. some antivirus software that they renew once a year. They've got this, they've okay. got this, they've got that. What okay. we try to do is come up with a per seat rate or an hourly, uh, like a, 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 an on-demand hourly rate that might incorporate some of those tools. So we say we're taking that cost off the table, so you don't need to spend that money there anymore. Here's our monthly fee to handle everything for you, all-inclusive. Okay. So it's about kind of looking for that, but that... Throwing in Office 365 might not float someone's boat. So you've got to look for what, you've got to kind of be dynamic, I feel, when you're putting mm -hmm. a deal together, knowing full well that the, the biggest part of the, 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 the platform, the biggest part of the sell is your labour, your time. It's great that you can get a $1,000 a month deal, but if, if they're going to utilise you for 20, 30, 40 hours a month, it's not a good deal. It's never going to be a good deal yeah. at all. So that's that's the important thing to look at, I feel. Cool. Um, so. Great information on pricing. Thank you. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy that. But, you know, if someone's just getting started out um, in managed services, yep. maybe they're at a they have an IT job today and they're like, you know, I'm sick of working for the man. I'm going to go out and do this on my own. What yep. kind of advice do you have for someone just getting started? Yeah. So how long is, hang on, how long is this webinar done? I've got lots of advice for starting out. Um, well, number one is you've got a huge competitive advantage. So my advice for you um, is a lot of the MSPs that have been around for like as long as I have, um, 15 mm -hmm. years, 20 years, uh, tend to be like quite rigid in their thinking sometimes. And um, you coming in as a newcomer that's very uh, tech savvy, very cloud savvy, can think outside the box, um, bring different ideas to your client. I think you've got a huge advantage and you can really start to um, win some business very, very aggressively. Um, but my second piece of advice is to truly understand the cost um, of what you're what you're doing moving forward because it is so hard if you underprice your service now and later when you're overwhelmed and you need staff to help you, it's really, really hard to make that pivot because you were working for kind of like what, what was an acceptable margin while you were doing the work. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be an acceptable margin when you hire a guy for 60 grand or 70 grand or 80 grand to okay. do the work for you. So get your pricing right and be vigilant. And the second thing is um, on, that, on that same point is get as much as humanly possible, get paid in advance for your service because 
chasing money from one or two companies uh, is fine. Chasing money from 50 different companies or, yeah. or more um, when you've been going for five years is a nightmare. And most, most of the conversations we have with our partners today is unraveling the freebies and unraveling the, uh, the, the accounts receivable, which is usually substantial okay. for, for, for an MSP. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, what's the best part about being in managed services, about being an MSP? Um, yeah, I think the best part is companies still don't understand it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, of all the service industries that are out there, like look at, look at, I spend a lot of time because we're, we're obviously involved in offshoring and we're, we, we see the exodus of roles from certain countries like Australia and North America to places like India and Southeast Asia. And we've been, I've been monitoring this for, for several years and been part of, you know, a lot of this change that's going on in the world. And what we see is that bookkeepers, respectable bookkeeping services that used to charge 50 bucks or 60 bucks an hour are now, now down to $8 an hour, right? We see wow. accounting firms, yeah. accounting, accounting firms that have grown to like these, you know, like three partners at the top, and a, a nice tier of accountants below are now just three partners, and because they're out, they're outsourcing, and they can't afford and sustain the staffing staffing anymore because people are getting their tax returns done online for for, for twenty bucks, kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so we're seeing this like major shift in service industries, but MSPs still have an edge because companies still don't understand it, and they still don't know how to navigate things like networking which is quite complex mm. and they don't know how to navigate things like cybersecurity, which is very complex and very scary to a business that's trying to protect its, um, protect its money and protect its intellectual property. So I think we've got this great advantage as MSPs that we can still sustain our margins. Um, and naturally, if you can reduce some of your labor cost as well, which is the biggest, often is the biggest cost in a business, then you've got an enormous um, uh, profitability advantage. Okay. Yeah. As, as long as those things don't get don't get commoditized, I guess we'll be okay, right? <laughs> yeah. I think if I think MSPs have proven to be good at productizing, have been have proven to be good at repackaging what they mm -hmm. do. So now I think if you're leading on the front foot with um, virtual CIO services, I think that's attractive to the maybe not the micro businesses, but to the mid-sized yeah. businesses. I think it's a very attractive offering. Um, I think cybersecurity is, a, is an attractive offering if you can dumb it down. You know, like if you yeah. can, if when we talked before about bundling the value into your into your packages, lead with cybersecurity and, and add, you know, single sign-on, for example, add BUDR backup solutions and say, look, if you have a cybersecurity incident, we're going to have you back online in X and that's all part of our, you know, MSSP service, I yeah. think that's really attractive and can, will continue to carry a margin for the foreseeable future. Password changes, I'm not so sure, right? Setting up a user <laughs> in Office 365, I'm not so sure. And that's where, um, that's why Benchmark was started to try to, to try to reduce the cost of delivering those aspects. Okay. So that's some of the best part. What about the worst part about being in managed services? Because the other side of the coin, because companies don't understand it, they don't always want to pay for it. Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of MSPs really struggle with sales. It's why we've launched our own um, peer groups and sales training in Benchmark because whilst we can um, deliver the services, if you can't go out and sell them, that's a that's a whole other whole other challenge yeah. for an MSP. So I think that clients always feel a bit suspicious. You know, why is it? Why do I have to buy this new? upgrade for the server? Why do I need to upgrade my cloud plan? Why do I, why am I storing so much data that needs to be backed up? Um, if you're not 
able to build enough trust in the relationship, clients will go shopping um, and they will they will see it as a commodity. So I think it's I think that makes it really hard to be an MSP if you're not um, really honing in on your on your sales skills. Yeah. Okay. Great. So technology. What are some of the technologies you're most excited about today, whether it's MSP related or not? I'm very excited about anything that gives you up to date. Um, information about your business. So, okay. like we know in our in our space, there's a ton of um, business intelligence type platforms that plug into your PSA or plug into your RMM tool. I really love that stuff. Like I love to be able to like pull up my phone or pull up a dashboard and say, I know that you know all tickets have been handled today. The customer satisfaction scores are X. Um, time entries are done. Uh, money's in the bank. Whatever it is, like I just yeah. love that that ability to be able to make um, flash decisions. I really like that. So that's the technology that excites me. I'm very excited about the opportunities with AI. Um, and I know that it's um, a, a very misunderstood term and yeah. mostly used mostly used by marketing companies and not actually, <laughs> not, not actually in terms of technology. But I love the concept of like the ability for you know, when a ticket is logged for some kind of service to occur before a human touches it, I really think that that's fascinating um, to be able to, to, like, I think that we will see MSPs head in that direction in the years to come, AI-based AI, AI based support. Yep. Yeah, I, I think AI is suffering from a branding problem right now um, because people hear AI, artificial intelligence and, it, you know, they, they instantly think of, you know, Judgment Day. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> um, yeah, when you so start something like Boston Dynamics, Boston Dynamics robots with guns, yeah. that's when I think you should yeah. start worrying about AI. But as far as our, yeah. our little world, if they can um, help a customer drive a customer towards some sort of self-servicing um, thing, or at least figure out like which technician should this ticket go to based on certain criteria, I think that's really cool. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not AI, but it's um, it's on its yeah, way well, to being, being AI. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So what about what technologies are worry you? What, what are you kind of a little bit more afraid of, so to speak, when it comes to technologies? Or maybe they're, they're how, how these technologies are applied? Um, no, I don't know. I actually don't think I'm afraid of any technology. Um, I think no. us as, as MSPs, I think we are the enablers of technology for our clients. Um, and that's where, um, you know, we just talked before about, you know, yep, you know, these upstarts that are, that are becoming MSPs and just starting starting out. I really love those guys because they have to figure out a different way than the industry standard way of doing things. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have they don't have data centers, they don't have 20 techs, they don't have like you know all of this experience but they've got you know like ex experience with some of the newer technologies that we might not have touched mm -hmm. on. So I, I really I really like seeing that um, like new okay. technology adopted by MSPs for sure. Great. That brings us to our rapid fire round. Um, so this is easy. Don't worry. It's it's, it's not meant to, to stress you out. Um, just got a couple of quick questions. It, most of them are, you know, an or just whatever comes, whichever answer comes to your head first, just do it. We, you know, we try, try to go these go through these quickly. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, so so don't worry about that. Um, All right. Are you ready? Hit me. Okay. So first up, Apple or Android? Apple or Android? Uh, Apple. 
Okay. Mac, Linux, or Windows? Ooh. Um, <laughs> can I expand on this? Or sure. Just a rapid fire. It's just a quick answer. Um, well, Windows because Windows because um, I don't know. I just think like it. That's what that's what the majority of managed services are wrapped around today. But Linux, in terms of like you know, just such a cool, stable, um, you know, open source platform. I just love. Yeah, I just love that that side of it. It's where I began my my venture into IT. Okay. Um, next up, Amazon or Azure or something else for cloud services. Azure. Uh, just because okay. it, it it plugs into the the stack, so to speak, it's yeah. it's more on point with the products that everyone offers. Okay. Um, backups, backup locally or to the cloud or both. I say both. Okay. I say both. Yep. And finally, which is worse, printer support or vendor cold calls? Oh, vendor cold calls. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, vendor cold calls. I'm still, yeah, <laughs> still dealing with that every day. Yeah, yeah. Although it's it seems more email now. It's in, instead of just calling you because you know I try not to get my number out there. My my email seems to be everywhere, and it's like you know. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, Doug. Yeah, what's your yeah, name? We, I'm like, who who are you? I don't even know you. It's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, some of these emails are very creative too. Like they do they do manage to catch your attention. So who knows? Maybe MSP should start doing some more aggressive uh, EDM campaigns and, and get in front of their clients. It's obviously working for someone. Maybe that's maybe that's where AI is going, is, is to spam, right? <laughs> Crafting better <Maybe>. spam emails. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> great. James, it's been great. Um, really appreciate all the insight you gave us on pricing and the other information today. Um, any any parting words here before you wrap it up? Oh, no, I just, um, first of all, very, very um, Grateful to be on the show. Thank you. And it's great to finally meet. Um, and yeah, I think, guys, there's so much opportunity out there in, in the MSP world, whatever you want to call it and however you want to bake the cake. There's a ton of um, business out there. You just got to go out there and get it. Great. Well, again, thank you very, very much, James, and hope, hope to meet in person sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. Have a great day. See ya. You too. Bye, everyone.